Hey y'all, this is Sam. And this is Steven. And this is Crimology. This is episode 14 and we are happy to have our next special guest, Lorsa Hughes. Hey guys, glad to be back. Next first returning guest by back by <laughs> popular question mark demand. I don't popular well, I mean, better she be got popular us, demand. <laughs> she gave us all of our Instagram followers, right. basically. So yeah. Um, yeah. But episode 14, that's a good episode for another guest. Um, honorary third member of our crimology team. Um, Loris is actually the person who sent us today's case. So of course we have to have her on. So super excited. Before we get started with that case, we've got to do our, our gibberish. Week, our weekly update of <laughs> right. how podcasting life is going. If you don't follow us on Instagram or you don't follow us on Facebook, then you don't know that we hit a thousand plays. So something cool about the Anchor app that we use that distributes our podcast is it keeps track of how many plays we have. It even gives us age ranges of people who listen, genders, where they live. It gives us all kinds of information. So casually on Sunday morning, we wake up and we see that we hit a thousand plays. So every single episode we have, that means that a thousand people have listened to at least one of our episodes, which is super cool. Um, so with that being said, thank you for listening. If this is your first time, just thank you for listening and putting that number on the board. And also go back and listen to all the other ones. Maybe not the pilot because that was a... Yeah, it was rough for us because we didn't know what we were doing quite yet. But hey, we were listen trying. back to all of them. Just thank you for if this is your first time listening, it makes us feel good. If this is your fifth time listening, it makes us feel good. If you've been here for 14, it makes us feel better. Just thank you for continuously coming back and listening and building our self-confidence up. It makes all of the work we do for this podcast, it makes the time we put into this podcast, it makes the money we put into That this we're podcast. not going to talk about. <laughs> it yeah. makes it all worth it in order to see those numbers and to see them grow and see how much they grow each week. It's, it's, it's super cool. I had a friend who sent me a Snapchat last week and he was like, I'm listening to your podcast and it's still crazy to think that like this is actually a real thing outside of like the four the three of us it's it's wild to think that there are people out there who listen to us and people even wilder to think that people I know are listening to me so well and it's, yeah. it's also super cool of you I know Sam you've talked about before of where you know, your friends have came up to you and say, oh, yeah, I listened to this. And I had one of uh, one of my buddies, uh, he goes to our church, he came up to me and said, hey, man, I've, I've been listening to your podcast. And it was one of those things of, like, I, I kind of gave him that look of, like, what are you talking Oh, yeah, 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 okay. Yeah. But it was, it's, yeah, it's still wild to me that, and especially um, seeing all the, not only in-state or, you know, yeah. Where people that we know, like Sam's mom was from Arizona, a lot of Lorsa's family, like they'll listen from Texas, but like we're getting plays for, I mean, California, just all over and even international. We, I know we talk about that too a lot. And it's just, it's so wild to know that 
our this tiny little our, idea that we had and our yeah our tiny little voices have made it around the world that so, so super cool. cool um yeah that's our our ramble session for right. for today so we'll stop rambling and now we will get started into this week's case so this week we are talking about a mer- missing person case um that's still going on that we're talking about melissa flores like I said, the, uh, Lorsa sent me this case. She tagged me on, it's a Facebook page called Oklahoma Cold Cases. Lorsa tagged me in this case specifically because it is in Cordell, Oklahoma, which is right over where Lorsa lives and where she grew up. Um, so, you know, she tags me in the case. She's got to come on the episode. So just that casual stroll through Facebook, you know, where you find all the different murder documentaries right. and Casually. cold cases and just and then casual day on Facebook. On right. Yeah, like nothing ever happened. Um, so Melissa was 27 when she goes missing. She had three little kids and she was currently living with Ronnie Denny, who is the father to her youngest kid. And at the time she had she was in one of those on again on again relationships with Ronnie and this kind of relationship had been going on for years so late on January 26th 2007 Melissa goes to a party with Shannon Long Melissa and Shannon both found out that Ronnie was dating both of them at the same time classy right so they get of course they get together to rub it in ronnie's face that they both knew so they're like let's go to this party let's have a great night let's just get under his skin let's rub it in his face so now it is early morning january 27th shannon said she parted ways with melissa around 4 or 5 a.m so shannon leaves melissa at the party when shannon is questioned She said that Melissa was hanging out with two guys. So when she leaves the party, she's last, like she left Melissa with these two guys at the party. When one of those guys was questioned, he said that uh, Melissa told him that she was going home with Shannon. So this is already kind of the first little bit of this case that we're getting. And these are the last two people to see Melissa at this party and the fact that their stories are not different, but they're not like this guy. So anyways, you have Melissa that tells this guy, Oh, I'm going home with Shannon. And then Shannon's like, no, I left her there. So it's just the fact that to start this case, you already have questions like was, was Melissa, you know, was Melissa and Shannon on different notes were they supposed to go home together and they didn't so anyways to start this case you already have questions and red flag if you go somewhere with a group of women leave with the same group even like these two were just it was just them you know but don't ever leave if you go somewhere you go with people leave with the same people or make sure they have someone that you trust to have a game plan at least have a game plan Um, yes our little soapbox will get off now. <laughs> um, so by 8 a.m. this next morning, Melissa had several missed calls from her sister-in-law, 
who was watching Melissa's kids for her while she goes to the party. Melissa never made it by the house, so now her family is getting involved to figure out where she is. Naturally, they go to Ronnie's house. At Ronnie's house, they find Melissa's car. In Melissa's car are her purse, her phones in there, kind of just those personal items that you would keep with you all the time. They're in the car, but Melissa isn't at Ronnie's house. This is the last day and the last time she was seen or heard from. So this is where stuff gets a little bit fun. Yeah, so immediately the OSBI was concerned with Ronnie's involvement in Melissa's disappearance. So there's this guy named Jason Canterbury, who was a childhood friend of Ronnie's. And he said that Ronnie confessed to committing the murder of Melissa to him while they were just casually hanging out together one night. So it was kind of just like Ronnie says, oh, hey, by the way, I killed Melissa. No big. Yeah, that's just a typical (laughs) Friday night, just drinking some beers. Oh, hey, by the way, I, I killed my girlfriend. Yeah, I killed my girlfriend. And here's the details. Jason said Ronnie told him that he and Melissa had gotten into an argument that night. So then Ronnie grabbed his rifle to intimidate Melissa and fired one shot into the air. Ronnie says then Melissa attacks him where he then shot three shots. And so for these three shots, one, he said, missed Melissa, but the other two hit her. And he then holds Melissa until she passes away with her last words being, I love you. And that is just, man, if this is, if this story is true and those were her last words, I just can't even imagine right. the pain. Yeah. And, okay. and that's also like, like for that, you know, for him to tell that, that's a lot of very graphic or, you know, very it's very detailed for him just to it's a graphic just to make story that, just, yeah, just to, to tell to yeah. Some beers <laughs> yeah i mean just casual friday night hey here's this wild wild thing i did let me tell you what happened <laughs> friday night yeah yeah <laughs> but yeah. Um, most most of the time when sam tells me a story it's oh i went to bed by 9 30 last okay, night okay don't call me out <laughs> <laughs> Um, Ronnie also made sure to tell Jason while he's just going over this whole thing that another man was at the house when he killed Melissa. And he said that the man started to just kind of freak out and ended up calling his brother who came over and helped Ronnie clean up the mess. This is the part of the case that is the most irritating to me is because I can't find any information on who this man is that helped clean up with Ronnie in every single article you read there is this mystery man that helps Ronnie clean up the case somehow um there are different articles say different things that and we'll talk about those things later but Every article includes this man, but none of those articles ever have a name for the man. And this this also kind of goes back to 
the first episode that Lorsa was on, the Stephen Adams case, of there's this man, or there's two men that we know. We know are there. We know that they're there. We know they interacted or had some type of interaction with the victim, but nobody knows who they are. And I think for, I mean, I know for me, and kind of same how you said it, it was just like, that's the most, you know, frustrating thing about when you really dig into these articles if you just just knew a name then you could have somebody to question and then you're that close much closer to figuring out what happened but the fact that you don't have anything is just i mean and that's ultimately what makes this a cold case but uh it's just infuriating um so like i said many articles say different things and me and larissa were talking about different articles and she read one article that said something and I read another article that said something different so one man said he helped Ronnie dispose of a I read an article that said of a truck um he was later told that Melissa was in the back of the truck um he said he never looked in the truck to see if that was true or not he said that they drove to an abandoned farm where they left it under some trash and they tried to bury as well as you can a truck. They tried to kind of leave this truck at this farm and kind of hidden. Then they drove to a different water source where they took apart that rifle that Ronnie used and kind of threw it in different places. Now, the article that Lorsa read was a trunk, like a travel yes. trunk. Yeah, um, not a trunk in the back of the car like we were. Right. Lorsa, what 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 kind of trunk was that? <laughs> so I had explained it earlier, and since we are communicating over a Zoom meeting right now, the way I had to explain it was as you know, not a truck, as in like honk honk, you know, with a horn, but a trunk, as in something that you would store something inside of so So. truck and trunk i mean the fact that lorsa had to use the words broom broom (laughs) to describe (laughs) a truck um so the fact that the articles we read were different in that aspect i mean i could see how maybe one person heard it differently than the other person but either way both articles we read had a guy who said that he helped Ronnie dispose of the body. But both articles said that when police go back to these areas to search them, they don't find anything. They don't find a truck. They don't find a trunk. They don't find the parts of the rifle that they said were there. Um, So it's kind of, I mean, you know, do these guys go back to those location afterwards and dig all of that back up and relocate it or did it really happen so more questions that don't get answered piled on to this case so if you actually live so this happened in Cordell as Sam said which is about a 15 minute drive from where I grew up and where my family lives and that's and that's 15 minutes of normal people driving for you it's about seven minutes seven yeah okay so don't have to call me out here but um if if you ever are in this area of Oklahoma 
there are no wooded areas. There's no heavy tree rows, really. There's not very many bodies of water or river sources. So for them to say that, oh, this truck or trunk was hidden in a field and the rifle was thrown into a water source is kind of like, right. in this small little town, somebody's going to find that eventually. So that's just another question right? added on top of the others that we have. So now it is 2015, and James, Ronnie's friend, testified in front of a grand jury against Ronnie and tells his story the exact same way. So right afterwards, Ronnie confronts James. Then Ronnie comes back and says that James said he had to, that police made him say all of those things, that police were harassing him, that they wouldn't leave him or his wife alone unless he said what they wanted him to say. Um, I'm currently working on another case where this where this idea is the moral of the case that I'm working on where police do hours of interrogation on these kids is what it is and then these kids end up coming back um anyway we'll talk obviously we'll talk about the details in the case but it is this aspect where police make them think that they committed this crime so this isn't that same thing so all of that to say that i don't think this is as far-fetched as some might think it is that police are interrogating james and to the point that maybe he just gives in and says yeah you know i mean what does that show james as a friend (laughs) even if you know being steven's friend i think police could tell me you've got to say this and i'm like yeah no i wouldn't say that so <laughs> i don't I think know this I, shows a little bit of james i feel like there's some days where you just like oh no yeah he did Listen, it there are some days <laughs> don't test me <laughs> um, so all of that to say that like reading that i mean you can think okay but really can police make you say something um but I don't think it's as far out there as we think it is. So anyways, putting my two cents in that pot. Ronnie ends up being tried in a rare no-body crime where he was found guilty, given life in prison without the possibility of parole. Ronnie still claims his innocence and Melissa's body has never been found. Um, so... This case is one of those that infuriates you with just the questions that aren't answered um, and the fact that we're here years later and they're still not answered. Yeah, um, it's just it's just kind of with the details laid out like this and the story about Ronnie telling this friend, you know, confessing to her murder but then I read that he told an an interviewer he got asked by someone why he didn't run you know flee town after all of this came out 
And he said that he felt he didn't have a reason to flee because he knew the truth. But when you go back and look at the details, and here's an extra one that I'll throw in. Melissa had actually put in a request for a restraining order Mm -hmm. on Ronnie at one point because he had threatened to shoot her in the face. But then a week after she put the request in, she withdrew that request. And so if that tells you anything about the relationship, and then we have the story about where Ronnie says to his friend that he actually did shoot Melissa. Right, that does make you look good. You know, yeah, not the best This girl puts a restraining right order there. on you saying he said he was going to shoot me in the face. And then you've got a completely different person who comes forward and says he shot her in the face. <laughs> Doesn't yeah. look good for you. Yeah, yeah not the best circumstantial evidence. <laughs> yeah, that's that's one of those one plus one equals two type of <laughs> Right. Um I will tag the Facebook page that this case came from. I'll tag their Facebook onto our Facebook. If you are like Lorsa and you live in that area, if you have any information about this case, that Facebook page has tons of links that you can anonymously leave details. You can call and talk to people directly and give them your information, but they have tons of those people that you can talk to. So I'll link their Facebook page to our Facebook page. um, If you have any of that information that you are willing to give. So that is episode 14. Now we're just going to take a quick second to talk about our sponsor for this episode. All right. Now we are going to do our Florida man minute. This is our segment where we Google the words Florida man with a random date and then we just giggle over the article that Stephen finds. So it's it's so great that I have that that Lorsa is on us this week because I you know I always ask Sam a, a good question, but I get to ask Lorsa too. Um, okay, so I'll go ahead and just give the date. Lorsa gave me this date of September twenty second, two thousand sixteen. So here's my question, and of course the headline right now is it's great. But this kind of headline above that is a, it's called a don't try this at home. Perfect. Oh, love that. Okay. Okay. So when you, I'll I'll ask you both this, when you go to the zoo, what animal do you like, you absolutely have to go see? Lorsa, I think I know your answer. But If you don't know my answer, if you don't know it, Stephen, are we really, you know, brother and sister-in-law? I, I don't know. Do we have the same animal? If it's the know, animal I'm thinking of. If not, I'm going to look like an idiot. <laughs> oh my gosh. Say well, yours first, Sam. Mine's an elephant. Yay! Yay! I knew it! Yay! <laughs> I'm a good sister. <laughs> <laughs> yes! So literally, one of the first times, well, I don't know, Stephen, I don't know how long you and my sister had been dating at this point, but I had had a hip surgery. And you know, sweet little Steven and pushed, pushed me around little the Oklahoma around City, City Zoo for three hours in, in a wheelchair all day uphill just so I could go see the elephants. A true, a true gentleman. Let me tell you, ladies. <laughs> okay. Now that we boosted his ego, let's yes, go. Yes, I feel great now. 
okay so here's the deal um this is the headline i'm just going to pause after i after i read it and y'all just just here we go florida man rides manatee dares police to arrest him gets arrested <laughs> gets arrested <laughs> So I I had to double check because I'm not as familiar with animals as I thought I was. And I had to double check what a manatee was. A sea cow? You didn't know a, a sea okay, cow? Okay, well, see. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, okay. It's been a manatee. Yeah, that's honestly oh what gosh. came to my head first was that. So, Can I just, was this in Crystal River? Can I just guess? Uh, I don't know. This is so. This comes to us from. I'm gonna butcher this name because Florida, like Oklahoma, has some very wacky names, mm-hmm. as I've said in, in past weeks. Um, Isla Morada, Florida. Not sure where uh, exactly that is, but um, so in Florida, of course, it's illegal to harass the manatees, but that did not stop James Roy Massengale. Uh, 47 from jumping into a creek and attempt to make some aquatic friends. You said it's illegal. Yes, it is illegal. Huh. Uh, so when when some of the passing witnesses saw, they informed uh, Massengale that it's illegal to to harass them, and um, Massengale clarified his intentions and said, "I'm riding it." Not harassing it. Not harassing I'm it. I'm writing it. Get your facts straight. Get your facts uh. So Florida Fish and Wild Conservation officials arrived to find the man, and this is in quotes, reaching for, touching, and lying over top of manatees in the creek. Wow. Oh, God. Again, informed that what he was doing was illegal, Madison Kale reportedly began chanting, take me to jail, over and over again. <laughs> So, unsurprisingly, yes, he got arrested. Um, so, his his little adventure, uh, he got stuck with a $25,000 bond, mainly for being uncooperative. Wow. Oh, wow. So, that's what I've got. Um, but Lorsa- Just go on a cruise and go swim with a manatee. Don't illegally swim with a manatee. Don't try and ride then a it manatee. might cost you $25,000. Yes. <laughs> manatees are endangered. Protect the manatees. I, they were my favorite animal when I was younger. Protect the manatees. And also, if you want to swim with one, you can go to Crystal River, Florida. Right. There you go. There, there's our little plug to, to go yeah. to Florida. Yeah. Sponsor so, me. Oh, man. So, yeah, that's my, that's my Florida man minute this week. I just... Oh man, the the headlines. Dares police to arrest him. It gets arrested. Gets arrested. <laughs> if, if that's not a Florida man, just tag right there. I don't know what is. Yeah, oh, ma'am. All right, that's episode fourteen. Like always, thank you guys for listening and sticking to the end. Thank you, Lorsa. Thank you, Zoom, for making this yes. possible. Um, oh. Not that they sponsor us, but they can. Um, yeah. <laughs> 2020 has made us very familiar with zoom so it makes things like this possible from a four-hour distance um but yeah thank you guys so much for listening make sure to check out our facebook page for all of our source material we post that there um and then follow us on instagram to get more to get pictures that we post of these victims um 
and also just some fun little Instagram stories that we have. Again, thank you guys. And like always, I am Sam. I'm Steven. And this is Lorsa. And this is Primology. Primology.